Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Belisario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Penn State Conversations. I'm Taylor Harrington and I'm here today with Kayla and Sarah, a 2012 PR grad from the Belisario College of Com. She is now the Director of Communications at Kayak and also works on OpenTable. She recently relocated from Manhattan to Connecticut and is an avid traveler and foodie at heart. During this episode, we'll dive into what it's like to work in-house as a PR professional with plenty of tips for all of you that are heading into the internship and job season. Kayla, welcome to the show. Hi, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am so excited to have this conversation with you, especially because Kayla was my manager back at Kayak when I interned one summer. So we were two Penn State grads. Well, I was a student, but we were two Penn Staters working together. And now to kind of flip things around and be able to say, hey, I'm an alumni board member now. I want to invite you here to share some of your wisdom with the wider Penn State community is a pretty cool opportunity. So that's one reason why I'm excited. Other one is we're recording this in February of 2022, which I feel like is the perfect time to be putting out a podcast right now for college students because of all the career advice that they're looking for, itching for. It's right in that season of trying to find an internship for the summer or a job post-graduation. So we're going to go ahead and just kick off this episode with everyone, all these lovely listeners here, getting a chance to have an understanding of what you do on a greater scale. And then we'll dive into some more different questions. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, OpenTable and Kayak are sister brands that started working more closely together in 2018 and now share a common executive leadership team. So things have changed a little bit since I was back in the Kayak office where I was you know, hanging out with the team. It was incredible with all of the dogs running around. We had quite the stocked kitchens. And I think there was even ping pong while I was there, which I would just was blown away. I was like, okay, where do these people work and how can I be a part of this? <laughs> but, but things have changed. Um, maybe there's still ping pong tables, but things have changed since then. And of course, with a year of almost no travel uh, behind us and well, maybe two years, and I'm sure other changes, um, We'll, we'll dive into all of that and get, get some answers on what has been up in your world since then. So awesome. yeah, amazing. Well, I'd love to hear more about what it's like to work as not only a director of communications for a major company, but also to be responsible for managing communications for two different connected brands with Kayak and OpenTable. So are you able to paint a picture for us of what you're responsible for and what a regular day or week looks like for you? Yeah, definitely. So there are really no two days that ever look the same. And I think many of you, especially <laughs> if you're in PR, probably know that, but especially these last two years with COVID having been a factor. Um, these days I work primarily on the kayak brand, managing our core, core comm strategy. But for the last two years, I straddled both the open table and kayak brands, working on things like campaign ideation and execution, working closely with our PR agencies in the US and Canada on media relations. So that could be anything from, you know, coming up with pitches to finding the, our team, finding the best reporters to pitch, strategy around upcoming announcements, you name it. Um, 
We've also done a lot of thought leadership lately with our executive team, which can be Mm. anything from setting up live interviews to drafting quotes for inclusion. I don't know. You probably did a little bit of this um, back when you were interning with me, Taylor. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, But lately, especially in in COVID times, reporters really want to know, you know, how is travel doing? How is dining doing? Data and news jacking has been another really big one. Again, something that we did pre-COVID and something that we probably did worked on together as well, but something that has really spurred a lot of um, interest during these kind of strange times. You know, they want to know how the travel and dining industry is recovering, what we're seeing, what cities are recovering the fastest, and especially with travel restrictions loosening and borders reopening, reporters are coming to Kayak to see, you know, is travel search interest spiking in some of these areas where restrictions are, are loosening? Most recently, Um, you know, Australia is finally opening their borders after two years. And what we typically see is, you know, as restrictions loosen, as borders reopen, there is a lot of pent up travel demand after these kind of two, two strange years of more so domestic travel than we've seen in the past. Um, Wow. Yeah. And then because we've been getting so many inbounds, we actually launched, um, we work, we've one of, again, looking at kind of our, our day-to-day, what I usually do is we work with a lot of different teams. So we work with our marketing team. We work really closely with our product team. Um, one of the things we actually launched on both the open table and kayak side, um, given how many reporters were asking for our data and, and looking to us, um, we actually launched what we call our state of the industry dashboard for open table and our flight trends dashboard for kayak, which basically takes a look at how seated diners and travel industry um, travel interest is recovering compared to pre-COVID time. So that's just one example of how we work really closely with our product team in-house. Um, and then with our marketing teams, we want to make sure anything we're really pushing out from a, a PR side is kind of comes across as one cohesive campaign versus a one-off. So we work really closely with our marketing team to make sure, you know, does this have legs in our email newsletter, in our blog, in our social? And again, something you probably worked on closely with us on, you know, how can, you know, drafting a blog post or drafting Mm -hmm. social content on one of the campaigns we were pushing out. Um, And then finally, we're a global company. So we have in-house PR colleagues in numerous markets around the world, including Latin America, Asia Pacific, Europe, that we collaborate with often. And and even more so in these last, you know, we always collaborated with our overseas colleagues, but even more so um, recently as, you know, travel restrictions this past summer in Europe loosened and and how are we communicating that to the world and making sure we're kind of in, in lockstep with our messaging. So that's just kind of a little insight in my day-to-days recently. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. And I think that one of the biggest things I took away from my internship with you was just how focused Kayak at the time. And of course now Open Table um, is on data. Like it's insane yes. how much you use data to drive decision-making. And it's something that was one of the greatest lessons I learned working with you and working with the rest of the team that when you have this background of, and all of these numbers that you can really use, that's valuable. And that's something that other industry leaders are looking for you to talk about and to share with others. Um, And of course, you know, I remember like even looking up, I think it was called Harrow where it was like helping out a reporter. (laughs) And and, and I would go ahead and and be able to share some of that data and some of the stories that we were trying to draft together. Um, And just thinking about 
wow, this data really is something that other brands don't have out there or um, people don't have access to that are travel agents or smaller businesses that could really benefit from it. So not only is Kayak and again, OpenTable, I'm sure similarly, but Kayak able to really share that data with the world, but it, it does help so many other people out there, I'm sure, by being able to drive that search engine of, um, of data. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because when COVID first hit, you know, in, in March 2020, um, restaurants completely closed down. I mean, the whole world pretty much closed down, but yeah. restaurants, you know, restaurants closed down. And so people were coming to us on the open table side being like, what are you seeing? And so we pushed out this data dashboard that, you know, the reason for pushing it out was to help kind of lobby for restaurant tours to show the world like, hey, our numbers are zero at this time because restaurants are closed. Dining is down you know, a hundred percent. And now obviously two years later, we can see it's, mm. it's starting, it's recovering, but that was one of the reasons we kind of decided to push the state of the industry dashboard out. So you're totally right. Yeah. Super interesting. Now this question kind of pivots off of what you were just talking about, about all these different changes happening uh, while you've been at this company. I'm curious over the last five years, you've shifted a few different roles. You've seen different changes happen in the world and also internally um, with now sharing a leadership team with OpenTable. And I'm curious, um, what has that been like? I feel like it's so uncommon now to stay at a company for more than a few years. So it was really cool to see that you have been there now for nearly five years and have kind of uh, gone with the company in those different changes. Yeah, honestly, it hasn't felt like I've been at the same company for nearly five years because <laughs> there's there's always something new happening. There's always something new changing. Um, getting to work on the Open Table brand, uh, you know, when I started at Kayak in 2017, we were a team of 500 people. Now we have more than 2,000 employees globally between Kayak and Open Table across more than 20 offices worldwide. Wow. Um, and Kayak and Open Table have been sister brands for owned by our parent company, Booking Holdings, for years. But we started working more closely together with a shared leadership team back in 2018, which has been a really fun venture to be a part of, especially being you know a huge foodie myself. It's been fun <laughs> to expand my knowledge and expertise into another new industry. Um, and then on the kayak side in the last year, we actually expanded beyond just being an online travel site where you search for flights, hotels, rental cars into an actual physical space. And so I don't know if you saw this, Taylor, but we launched a hotel in Miami. I did. It's so <laughs> cool looking. Yeah. So that's just been a whole nother new venture. It's called Kayak Miami Beach. And it was a really exciting new initiative to be a part of. Um, and one that has definitely kept me on my toes in learning, you know, the ins and outs of the hospitality industry and really how much they differ from, you know, the online space to a, a physical, you know, hotel. Um, and then even again, last year, we also launched um, on the kayak side, Kayak for Business, um, which is a free corporate travel solution for small to medium sized businesses. But just another example of, you know, how we've kind of grown and expanded over these last couple of years. So it's been really amazing to see how we've evolved and just, you know, just since I've been there. For sure. It sounds like there were so many growth and learning opportunities just within the different things that were happening inside the company and outside. Like it, you all were adapting to the world in such interesting ways that created such growth opportunities. That's, that's so cool. Uh, I want to pivot the conversation a little bit now for the let's say seniors, interns, uh, future interns that are, are listening to this, 
I think one of the biggest things I felt going into my senior year in particular uh, was feeling like I needed to connect all the dots on my resume. Like here I am, it's been almost four years. How am I going to explain this inside of an interview to a human that doesn't know me? And <laughs> I remember that um, you had shared that you, it's like, it doesn't have to all be figured out at the end of senior year. And, sure. and I, I leaned into that, I figured out, okay, what are the things that are true to who I am and how can I help that guide my first role and we'll go from there. And I remember you sharing when I was interning with you that you had taken the leap into the agency side straight out of school and were able to really work on a bunch of different projects and clients and get a good feel for what was feeling right for you and what you were drawn to. And then that led to you narrowing in on what you were most curious about to work full-time in-house on travel and later food. Uh, so curious to hear more about that journey and how that was helpful for you. Again, we might have some listeners out there that are considering, do I go in-house straight after college or should I look agency side? Definitely. And you know, I think there's pros and cons to both, but whichever route you choose, I think it's really important, especially starting out in a comms or PR role to really just get your feet wet in as many different areas of expertise as possible. So for those looking at an agency, for example, test out different fields, you know, try some beauty and food, try fintech and healthcare, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself into just one area that you think you might be interested in um, because you won't know what you do and, and don't like until you've really tried it. I know when I graduated, I really, I thought I really wanted to get into sports PR, um, <laughs> but those positions are very few and far between and hard to come by. So I started working, like you said, at a boutique PR agency that the clients really ran the gamut from, you know, upscale underwear to lipstick, to robotics toys for kids. Um, and then at, on nights and weekends, I actually was interning at city field in the events department. So I soon came to realize the juice wasn't worth the squeeze on the sports side. It, it wasn't <laughs> my passion and it was taking up, you know, all of my free time. Um, but from there, I was able to move on to another agency and, and again, really get my feet wet on, you know, the travel and tech side of things. And I, that's really where I started building my portfolio um, and soon came to realize that I loved working on new product launches and doing the PR for new hotels and travel accounts. Um, and that I didn't really have a huge love for like fintech or, or healthcare PR. Um, but that really helped hone in my focus areas and build you know, my portfolio and kind of lead me to obviously where I am today. But for others, if you're looking to kind of go the in-house route first, another obviously great opportunity, I would just try and get involved with as many different department projects as you can to see what you like best. So, mm. you know, work with the social team and the brand team and to come up with social content and strategy or work with the internal comms department to kind of see what they're up to. You know, you might end up liking it better than drafting a press release or pitching reporters like you thought you did. Um, so I would say more than anything, just when you're starting out now is the time to work to kind of, again, get your feet wet in as many different areas and projects and areas of expertise as you can. Yeah. I love how you shape, you, you really framed that as this is an opportunity to learn whichever route you pick, you will get the chance to learn and try things out. It's not going to pigeonhole you into one corner of this is exactly what you need to do. So that's, yeah, that's super smart. And I also think that, like you said, figuring out what you don't love is just as, if not more important than figuring out what you do love to do. So having those experiences to figure that out is, is super important. Yeah. And, you may be surprised, yeah. like you, you may have thought you liked one thing and then you just weren't familiar with another and you may end up, you know, enjoying that more. 
For sure. It's funny, I when I was reflecting on just my experience interning at Kayak, and then also when I first met you, and I remember I reached out on LinkedIn being like, hi, I'm a Penn Stater, and like this <laughs> message about how excited I was about the possibility of working with another Penn Stater who was doing it all. And I just remember this moment of I was abroad in Barcelona, I had my first interview with you. And I was so scared to tell you that the time like we had picked um, was like really late at night. It was like 9.30 PM or something in Barcelona. And I I just remember, it was so funny. I just remember being like, oh my gosh, I got an interview. I can't, I can't question it. This is going to be the thing. And I remember telling, I had five roommates in my apartment and I remember they all walked into this one girl's bedroom and I was like, stay quiet for like 30 minutes. (laughs) And, and I had my interview and clearly went well. And it was um, just this funny moment that I remember calling my mom afterwards and being like, oh my goodness, it went well, but like, it was wacky to think here I am in Barcelona trying to interview for this company that's all about travel on the other side of the world. And I was so nervous that I didn't even tell her I was here. And (laughs) it was just such a funny like scenario that looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was such a scared junior in that moment. (laughs) Oh, Um, sure. It's so funny you even say that. I remember when I was interviewing for my first internship, I think I'm pretty positive I was abroad. I can't remember exactly where I was at the time. I think I was in Italy and the same thing, but mine was like an internet issue. We had this interview. Oh gosh freaking out because we were in this like old hotel with wonky wi-fi and yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's tough when you're overseas I mean I think a lot of Penn Staters I don't even know if they're doing study abroad right now so I'm not even sure if we're going to be having any listeners tuning in that would be uh, experiencing that this time around. But I know that it was hard figuring out how to break through the clutter because obviously Kayak is such an incredible brand uh, to be able to get my resume even seen uh, is, is hard. So I'm curious, I'm sure that you have read many applications in the past, whether it's for early stage or early, um, whether it's for folks that are just out of college or folks who are interviewing for internships, uh, what what type of advice would you give to a current Penn Stater in the job application interview process right now? Yeah, so first I would say don't stress. <laughs> um, <laughs> Taylor and I clearly really stressed it and it worked out for us, but you don't need to. There's yeah. no need to. I, I remember comparing myself to some of my other friends in finance or supply chain who had, you know, their jobs set up for them at the beginning of of senior year. And that's just not how PR jobs work. So kind of understanding that and going into that with that mindset, I think, you know, will will really help when a PR agency or in-house department hire is ready to hire someone, they want you there immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, versus a finance job that has a whole set of analysts, you know, working and, and getting set up for work at, at around the same time. So First off, I would say, if you don't graduate with a job lined up, don't stress about it. I don't think I had a job until September, so four months after I graduated. Um, so just mm-hmm. kind of getting that out of the way. But I also will say, honestly, your LinkedIn message, when you messaged me about the um, internship, really resonated with me. And I would highly recommend that if you got anyone looking for a role or even just, you know, an informational interview, look up Penn Staters because they're always willing to kind of take a call, have t- chit chat through advice. Um, you know, I actually just yesterday had a Penn Stater reach out to me saying, you know, I'm interested in, in learning about PR and would love to just chat. No, I mean, under, you know, no expectations or anything like that, but just someone who's going to be graduating soon that's looking to get some advice from a fellow grad in the same, in the same industry, I think really goes a long way. 
Um, and then if a job actually opens up, they kind of have you top of mind or like you did Taylor, you know, if a job is available at a certain place and you see that there's a Penn Stater who works there, drop them a LinkedIn message. It really does go a long way and, and makes, and makes, you know, yourself stand out, um, or drop them an email. Definitely. Um, yeah. And then a second, tr- take as many informational interviews as possible. Re- you know, like mm-hmm. I, I think that's one big thing that I tried to do when I was job searching that, you know, I would highly recommend. Yeah, definitely. Because the more you can learn also by not like even going into the company, but just having an, a perspective from a Penn Stater or a young person who's doing something a few years out that you're like, oh, that's what I'd want to be doing in five years or six years or seven years. It's such an incredible way to just get a taste of what that is like without having to say, yep, that's what I'm going to commit to all summer or that's what I'm exactly. going to commit to for my first job. Yeah. And it makes you as, or me, it made me like, feel, oh, this person went, you know, took an extra step to really mm-hmm. look into my role, what I do, the fact that I was a Penn State alum um, and, you know, seems genuinely interested in, in the position or reaching out and wanting to learn more. So yeah, that goes a long way. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you can show up differently in that message too, I'm sure that goes a long way as well. If there's something that you can do, whether it's sharing your story in a unique way, instead of just regurgitating, like, this is my resume, um, or, you know, like like something that like is memorable in that message. It's funny. I saw one of the best examples I think I've ever seen of this, uh, two days ago on LinkedIn and it's like above and beyond. So I'm saying this with a, like, this is not the norm, but there was a young woman who, uh, she might've been in her late twenties. Um, but she was looking to get a role at a company called Olipop, which is like an alternative to sodas. It's really great. I highly recommend if anyone is curious to try it out. Uh, But anyways, she decided to make her resume look like the nutrition label on an Olipop can. And she did it on Canva. And it honestly wasn't like that crazy. It was like, if, if you had looked at the can, and you had opened up Canva and you really thought, okay, how am I going to move these shapes? She could have done it on Photoshop. I'm not sure, but I think you could have done it like a similar version on Canva. And it was just so impactful. She's got thousands and thousands and thousands of people liking, resharing, like wild on LinkedIn. And all of these people from Olipop are responding and applauding her in the comments. And everyone's like, okay, we totally know she's being hired now, or at least has an interview. Like it's crazy. So yeah. That's like the other end of the spectrum, but it was very thoughtful and like uh, just so well done. I thought it was the, one of the best examples of something that I will continue to talk about when someone went above and beyond for the, probably the one brand that they were so pumped about versus being able to do that for a bunch of different companies. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because it just spurred, um, a recent hire that we hired on, on Mm -hmm. the open table side where, it was, again, this is definitely going above and beyond, like by no means are there expectations on this. But one of the things that I saw was she sent through a deck on how she saw Open Table being incorporated into the media with pitch ideas and headlines and reporters wow. and just general ideas where I was so blown away. Um, and it just, again, that's another thing that just made an impact. Again, by no means, I had never seen that before. And mm-hmm. there are no expectations to do that, but just another example of how someone going above and beyond for, you know, her dream job, um, really made an impact. So 
Yeah, it's funny. I had a friend in college, her name's Sam Gleason, and she actually was a previous guest on Penn State Conversations. And she was someone who uh, wanted to go in agency side. So for anyone who's thinking, okay, maybe there's not that one company that you're so excited about that you really want to pitch yourself to. But instead, it's like, I wish that I had a portfolio that I was so proud of, and it represented brands that I really loved and that sort of thing. That's what Sam did. So instead of pitching herself to different companies, she said, okay, what are the three brands that I wish I could design content for? If I was on their team, what would that content look like? So there was a brand she had chose a believe it was anthropology where she did like a fake campaign for like four different social media posts she would have designed for a mother's day campaign for them. And it was just such an interesting way. I don't even think she ended up applying to anthropology, but she was able to show her style when she applied to these agencies and say, Hey, this is something that I spent a couple of days on and I'm proud of this work. This is what it might look like if I did work for you. So that's another way to do it. If um, you wanted to do something that was a little bit more evergreen and not just for one company, if you picked a couple of different companies and we're looking at agencies, you could say if anthropology over here is my client, this might be what, uh, what that would look like. So oh, I love that. Yeah, it was a cool idea. All right, sweet. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up with a couple final questions here. So um, last question, well, last real question, I suppose, is Mm -hmm. what advice would you have for someone starting an internship soon to help them get the most out of their experience? So I would probably say similar to what I mentioned earlier about just kind of getting your feet wet in different departments, projects, experience. I'd say the same holds true for even more so for internships. You know, not only will it help you build your resume to show you've already worked across a variety of different clients, brands, departments, but it'll, like I said earlier, give you a better understanding of what you do or don't like working on. So when you're ready to start applying for jobs, you have a bit more knowledge of of what exactly it is you're looking for or want out of that job. So I would definitely say that would be my number one piece of advice. Yeah. And, and again, I spent some time reflecting on our experience because it was my first like real, uh, well, maybe it was my second real internship now that I think about it, but it was, you know, it was, it was such an, it was a great experience and it was also very intentional. Like I felt like there was quite the little program. I had a co-intern and it was yeah. very nice to kind of have that structure to the intern experience. And one of the things that I really loved that you had set up from day one of that experience was making one-on-one time that was dedicated for just you and I to talk about things and for me to ask questions and not be judged for asking questions that might've been stupid or, you know, um, like little things. And I thought that was just one really incredible on your end to already establish that. And then two, if anyone's listening and your manager asked you through the interview process, you know, what are things that you're most excited about inside of this experience or when first day, you know, you're laying things out. Is there anything that's important? Any questions you can ask, is there dedicated time that we can spend one-on-one once a week together where, um, you know, even if it's just 20 minutes, but being able to have that space to ask those questions with an expert in that industry, someone who's been doing this for a few years that you feel comfortable around and are interacting with. I think that was one of the biggest things that I learned from our experience. Um, And also, like you said, I mean, I think I had no idea how much I would love data by the end of my internship. (laughs) Um, I had absolutely zero clue that would be like uh, as integrated as it was until I was at Kayak. Um, It made a lot of sense looking back, but I didn't realize how much it, it impacted the reach outs that happened on the PR side of things. And so, 
now in my current job, I do a lot of data with our community members. And I think back to, I don't know that I would be where I am today if I hadn't realized that data was something I was curious about and good at analyzing and enjoyed. And that's a, a surprise that came out of the internship for me. So again, if, you, if you're reading, yeah, if you're reading the internship description for something and you're like, I'm not sure if that's for me, but maybe it might turn out to be something that you really end up loving. Yeah. And I can't, I, I love your example of, of the one-on-one -on -one time, whether it's with your manager or a few different people that you're working on. I think mm -hmm. that's a, that's a really good point and something that's really important because that's the, now's the time to ask all of those questions and, and get that time. So I think that was a really good, good example. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we're going to end this on a fun note. So a little question thinking back to Penn State and Happy Valley, which I'm missing dearly. We have our alumni board member uh, meeting coming up in person in April and I'm still fingers crossed. Like I won't believe it until I'm on campus that it's actually happening, but I'm excited for the day to go back soon. So here's the question. Imagine you're going back to visit Penn State's campus on a beautiful day. What are the must do's for you? Oh, geez. It's been <laughs> so long since I've been up there and my perfect day would definitely be visiting during football season and tailgating mm. with friends. But if I wasn't going during football season, um, I would say starting the day with a hike up Mount Nittany and mm -hmm. then definitely ending the day at, at Berkey, Berkey bleh, Creamery. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a tongue tied. My husband is a huge ice cream person. So when I, when he visited Penn state for the first time, that was one of our must visit spots. Oh um, yeah. And then despite how gross it sounds, especially these days, because I haven't eaten something like this in so long, but I feel like no weekend at Penn State is complete without a stop at Are You Hungry? <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good, a good point. <laughs> it's funny, I, I'm sad because I'm, I'm nervous to go back in April knowing that things have changed since I've left only just a few years ago, but my favorite coffee shop, Saints, just closed down, and that would have been my number one answer was like, I need my latte at Saints with um, like banana yeah. muffin. <laughs> I was actually one of the things I was thinking about when I was thinking of some of the restaurants, one of my favorite spots was Bell's Pizza, but I don't think it's there anymore. I don't, I don't even know what Bell's Pizza is. So I oh think it's, it's long gone. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sad when those, those come out, they do have a snack pizza now, which I'm sure any listener uh, okay. would, would be like, oh yeah, we go there 24 seven and it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's from, um, I think it's from Pittsburgh originally. So if you do end up going back to campus and you need a pizza craving, yeah, that might yeah. be it. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, is there anything else you want to share before we hop up? Um, or any best ways to connect with you, follow your work, any of those things, uh, yeah, before we close this out. Sure. No, this was so great. And anyone listening, feel free to reach out to me. LinkedIn is a great resource. It's Kayla and Sarah. You can follow, um, and you can follow both Kayak and Open Table on social media at Kayak and at Open Table. Love when you have those great, like those great handles that everyone can remember. Yeah. <laughs> you you so claimed them first. Brand name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, Kayla, for coming. This was super cool to just reconnect a, and also be, get to know you a little bit better at this stage in your career journey in life and be able to share that with Penn Staters that are curious about got, diving into this field as well. So appreciate you coming onto the show. And thank you for having me. Of course. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in for another episode of Penn State Conversations. Again, I'm Taylor Harrington, and it was a pleasure recording this episode. Uh, looking forward to a future episode, and I will talk to you soon. We are. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Penn State Conversations. For more information about the Donald P. Bellisario College of Communications, including the latest news and upcoming events, visit bellisario.psu.edu or find us on social media at PSU Bellisario on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.